CS Week Connect is a series of podcasts that cover customer topics at the strategic level. Greg Knight, Executive Vice President of Centerpoint Energy, is the host. During these podcasts, Greg will share a conversation with one or two other utility executives. This series is brought to you by CS Week, a nonprofit educational entity that provides the largest forum for utility customer service education and networking in the world. CS Week Connect features Greg Knight, Executive Vice President of Centerpoint Energy. Greg, thank you for hosting this podcast series. Tell me about your career. Well, Rod, let me first of all say thank you for hosting the podcast and how excited I am to be a part of this very important conversation in our industry. You know, my career is probably like many other folks. Um, it's been a storied uh, career, but mine actually started um, in a commercial competitive business right out of college, and it started at MCI Telecommunications. And I would probably say the latter third of my career has been largely in regulated utilities, uh, both at Centerpoint and National Grid. And, you know, I, I probably would say that my career has been shaped by coming out of um, telecom, which, as you know, went through an era of deregulation, sort of adjacent to dot-com, and really digital innovation that has sort of brought us to where we are today with mobility, internet, and so many other things. And I see so many similarities in terms of what's happening in our industry. So it's a, an exciting time. That was an exciting era, Greg, that you went through as far as telecom, DREG, and the dot-com era. And you're right, there's interesting parallels going on today now in the utility industry. An industry that you entered was, you know, 100% regulated. But so, Greg, at a high level, how do you see North American utilities shifting both from a pandemic and post-pandemic perspective? Yeah, you know, from my perspective, there's there's really been a brewing convergence of these sort of what I call macro trends really over the last 10 years. Um, in the electric space, sort of it's been, you know, the catalyst has been grid modernization and digitalization. And then on our gas side of our business, it really has been the shell revolution. And then more recently, um, both the environment, sustainability um, have materially been impacting both sectors. And that's led to a higher emphasis on system resilience. And so COVID has simply added to the added fuel to the fire, if you will. And it's really resulted in what we see as an acceleration of really transformation around three key areas of the business. And one is the people and the employees, our customers, and then our business operations areas. Oh, that's an interesting uh, high-level construct, Greg. So tell me about the first level, uh, people. What do you see as the major shifts in people? Well, you know, I'm a half-full guy, and so I tend to be very optimistic about the future and things. So I, I guess from my perspective, I see it as a tremendous opportunity to attract new talent in our industry. And I actually saw this at National Grid when I spent my time there, where we had some very talented folks coming from some very top-notch schools in the Massachusetts, Boston area, coming to National Grid to be a part of this sort of renewable and energy transition revolution. And it was really interesting to see the demographics of that team 
and people getting really excited about being a part of the sort of greening of vehicles, uh, you know, EVs, um, you know, solar, renewables, distributed energy. Uh, and then if you just move to the gas side of the business, I think that the same attraction is there for talent. When we start thinking about the environment, uh, sustainability, biogas, hydrogen, carbon capture. And so really, it's really an exciting time to be a part of the utility sector. And it's a huge opportunity for us, specifically in our customer areas, to attract new talent and folks that want to be a part of these new products and services and programs conservation, just a, a range of, of innovation that's happening. And a lot of our customer operations groups are at the forefront of that. Um, and then it's also having maybe coming out of COVID, uh, there's a dual impact on maybe people who are exiting. There's this emphasis on work-life balance. And just anecdotally, when I'm talking to folks, uh, my peers, it appears that we may be seeing an increase in maybe retirements, right? So you come off of the sort of biggest pandemic since I think it was the early 1900s and people are also reevaluating what's important. And I think it's, it's been really interesting. Maybe one of my biggest and most impactful takeaways as it relates to our people was really how we performed during COVID. If you think about what we've been focused on in terms of our storm response, it's something that we have a playbook for and I couldn't be more proud of both our customer operations teams and our business operations folks who responded just in a way no one could have ever imagined to keep the gas flowing and sort of the electrons flowing to sort of keep society running. I mean, we really recognized how important in different ways energy was. Um, and then obviously there were the financial impacts and, you know, uh, concern about bad debt and a number of things. And so, you know, it's been a really interesting time, but maybe the most important thing to close out your question is that, you know, the employee is still our number one asset. Even, even as we are heavy in capital intense businesses, I think COVID improved, I mean, proved that the employee is still our number one asset. Oh, absolutely. And uh, you made many good points there about young people and their attraction to the new aspects of the utility business and, and work-life balance. And so, um, but let, let's move on to, you said the ma second major part of this structure is the shift in customers. So what do you see as the, your thoughts there around the shift in customers? You know, I, I would say customers are sitting in the middle or, if you will, the nexus of it all. Uh, this is not my quote, but it's something that I heard some time ago when we were exploring, you know, our journey into smart grid. Um, and it goes like this. The last best experience you have anywhere sets your expectations for the experience you have everywhere. And that's always stuck with me because I think we see that more and more every day in terms of customers making their voices heard in several areas of sort of the energy paradigm. And then if that wasn't enough, we were seeing a new dynamic coming out of the George Floyd period and communities being more focused on equity and this, this concept of energy equity. And, you know, that equity is showing up in the areas of power resilience um, as well as economic equity right, coming off of COVID. And many of us know we've, we've had either 
disconnection moratoriums that were in place for extended periods of time. And in some places, there may be some disconnection moratoriums for COVID that are yet still in place. And all of this is having an impact on how we really meet the needs of our customers. You know, more specifically, you know, for those who were paying attention to what was happening in Texas during our infamous winter storm, um, it was really interesting because this equity piece was shared with me in this way. There were certain homes during the URI winter storm while we went without power that were 30 degrees, and then there were some homes that were 50 degrees. And I imagine those homes that were 50 degrees had modern weatherization, insulation, um, other types of things that help those homes sustain some of this harsh weather. And I think we're seeing this, whether you're talking about our winter storm or the heat waves in the uh, West and the North Pacific right now, uh, flooding, you know, there is this need and this opportunity for us to really rethink about how our sort of energy systems meet these sort of demands of our customers. And I think that that's one of the biggest challenges that we are going to face as a customer operations leadership is how do we now take these challenges and help our businesses align to meet those needs? Um, one of the interesting things that was happening during URI in Texas, though, is that if you had natural gas, you could use it to heat your home. So that's something to be thinking about as we're also responding to customers' demands around sustainability and carbon reduction. And so we're trying to get this balance right. And I think at the end of the day, you know, the customers will be the decision makers on whether or not we've done a good job in sort of meeting, meeting their expectations or we've lived up to the charge. Oh, a lot of great points there, Greg. I do want to just uh, state that we at CS Week are hearing a lot more about energy equity, which you made some you know, great points about. And also, uh, maybe going back to more, you know, we're hearing more and more too, like you, about moving back to you know, the community level and addressing the community level needs. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah. all, all really good points there. And of course, uh, you and I got to live through the polar vortex and experience <laughs> that. But, yeah. Yes, we did. Yeah. So let's, Let's move to the uh, third major construct, which was the, you stated as the shift in business operations. So describe what you're pursuing and adopting at Centerpoint Energy, and what else are you seeing elsewhere in the utility industry? Yeah, I would just say at Centerpoint, and I think generally our operations areas are more focused than ever on outcomes that have direct customer impact in ways that they haven't before. You know, uh, while we continue to emphasize working safely, we are also extremely focused on system resiliency in both our gas and our electric spaces. And this is just, you know, going to increase more and more. Um, whether we're talking about the impacts of COVID or inclement weather, uh, the environment, or, you know, the need for, um, you know, these different types of energy sources and the growing demand for, you know, EVs that are going to transform the electric grid. You know, what we're really seeing is it's all leading back to building resilient systems that will also have to operate under different conditions. And I'll give you a great example. You know, operating the electric TND 
uh, in our Houston metro, obviously as the fourth largest city in the United States, we're going to see a large, you know, uh, adoption of electric vehicles. And so it's a great opportunity and time to be a part of an electric utility, but that adoption will not come without some required shifts on our side to invest to support what could be exponential growth and loads on our systems. So whether we're talking about, you know, system performance, reliability during, you know, a hurricane or another URI, not only will we be under pressure to sort of respond in similar ways, but our systems will be under different pressure. I can only imagine the type of pressure that the systems are under right now. And I've been reading around some of this record heat that we haven't ever experienced in parts of the country. And so all of this is coming back to resilience. And all of now what we need to focus on is how we engineer, design, and build systems that withstand a number of just sort of natural phenomenons, um, growth and demand on our systems, um, a recognition that there continues to be a role for natural gas in business and residential. Um, and it's almost like as we think about designing, building, and maintaining our systems, you know, our teams are having to plan for multiple scenarios. It almost feels like a, a military scenario planning where you're thinking about you know, flooding, fires, supply intermittency, changing workforce, and all this greater demand, and how do you really respond to that? And so, you know, I think we're, we're where we need to be in terms of, you know, positioning ourselves, but you mentioned something earlier that I'd like to come back to, is that a lot of that is going to be really driven and need to be agreed upon by the communities that we serve just because there's so much oh there's there's i i think that you know we will see a new model centered around communities and addressing the needs at very localized levels you know emergency needs in a community for, uh, and of course tying back in the equity part but um you know, on on your uh, last few minutes, you talked quite a bit about resiliency, but uh, is there a new model of resiliency? What is a new model of resiliency, Greg? You know, I don't know if it's new. Um, I do know it's more customer focused. Um, you know, we're being battle tested again as we respond to greater demands, different environmental challenges. Uh, I think the way that we've been talking about resilience to our largest customers, and this may be borrowed again from the military, is that resilience has to be defined through how we help organizations, communities, and customers meet their mission objectives, right? So a great example in, in storm in a winter storm URI, a mission objective would have been to minimize the impact of you know constraint supply in the ERCOT system. And so as we look forward in terms of how we deploy new capabilities in our Houston footprint that is a part of ERCOT, our resilience has to be defined through the lens of what is the mission of the customer and the community and really how do we support that? And how do customer programs, whether you're thinking about expanded demand response or load shedding programs 
or where you think about, you know, emergency backup power and where you place that, um, you know, how do you now build a, you know, a network that will support EVs in a hurricane prone area where we have to have backup power at filling stations now to make sure when power's out, <laughs> you know what I mean? I can still fill my car up uh, with kilowatts. And, you know, there are different challenges in multifamily buildings than there are in, you know, homeowners with, you know, specific residences. And so, you know, it's going to be challenged by fuel mix, uh, emissions impacts. And at the end of the day, I just think we're moving towards an era where there's so many um, opportunities uh, and challenges that we'll have to be able to look around the table to the community stakeholders and our customers and say, how do we do, you know, in terms of getting your mission right? And how do we perform in helping you meet your mission objective? Oh, some very, very deep points there, Greg. Um, I want to tie together two things. Five or 10 minutes ago, you mentioned that customers look at you and look at all utilities in the context of their last best experience, which of course could be, you know, I had super duper service from whomever. And, right. you know, an ex be it electricity or gas, of a very, very high expectation uh, as far as it's just always there. So, but with what you talked about, record high temperatures, record problems, you know, delivery problems in ERCOT in the winter and delivery problems now in the Northwest, but. So how does all this change the customer promise? And secondly, uh, what is, how does it change the company brand in the community? You know, that's a great question. Um, if you thought about, you know, after Storm Uri, I think that there was a recognition for us at Lead Center Point to help customers really better understand our role in energy delivery. Um, we have a very, you know, unique deregulated market here. You know, customers don't buy energy from CenterPoint. And on our electric utility, we don't deliver a bill to a customer, but, but we deliver the energy just like any vertically integrated utility minus the generation and handing that bill off at the end of the transaction. Um, but so, so with that being said, we have customers who may not be as clear as our role. So in a situation like URI, when we had generation shortages, the fact that CenterPoint doesn't generate power may have been lost on some customers. And as a result of that, their per perception may have been that, you know, we didn't appropriately plan supply when, when which in reality, we don't plan supply. You know, we're the delivery company. So we're coming up with new ways to educate and inform, but we're also not just sort of, you know, pointing the finger and saying, okay, this is not us, this is that person. We're actively engaging our legislature and we're actively working within the sort of community of energy delivery participants to figure out, you know, how does our role change? So for example, the Texas legislature um, just recently passed some legislation that will now, since deregulation, um, will allow the TND to own emergency generation. And so now we're thinking about, you know, where do those assets get placed? And, you know, how do we work with uh, PUC and the local communities to deploy them? And so 
you know, there's so the paradigm shift is happening with our regulators, it's happening with our customers, and it's also happening internally. So the way that it affects the brand is really thinking about and connecting what customers expect from us. And, you know, I think for a long time, the aspiration is to be the trusted energy delivery partner for your customers. And so we've got to earn that trust more than ever by taking every tool at our disposal to sort of, again, help achieve the mission objective. And that's really the brand. You know, the brand is just really a collection of all the memories that you have with the company, right? Uh, and yeah. so, you know, we need to make sure that what they remember is something positive about how we're able to support them and help them meet their objectives. Oh, a lot of a lot of good points in there. Um, you know, your your new approach on emergency generation very interesting, and in and the way you put that in the context, that it would be very you know strategically located, but. Uh, and, and I'll go back to one other point you made is, you know, you just can't point a finger and we've seen before in these weather events is that early somebody will point a finger and frankly, they, they make a mistake usually. But. <laughs> and that finger points back, right? Sometimes. So be careful. Yeah. Sometimes you're just looking <laughs> in the mirror, aren't you, Greg? <laughs> so, well, I do want to, uh, wrap this up today, but uh, just a couple of points for all of you listening in. Uh, to hear more about this topic, please join us at CS Week's Executive Summit, August 16 and 17 in Tampa, Florida. Uh, Greg will be discussing this topic in further detail on the second day, and if you want to register for that, just reach out to us at CS Week. Just go to our website, www.csweek.org. Greg, thank you for your great insights on these topics today, and, and we'll see you in just a little while here in Tampa. Look forward to the conversation. All right, Greg, I think that's a wrap.